Hi ladies, how are you? This is TT, aka Terry Temple. We are in week 48 of my book, Spiritual Devotion and Inspiration for Women, page 183. The title is Virtuous. Grab your books and let's get started or just listen along and relax and enjoy yourself. Not everyone knows how to be virtuous, though we are reminded often to do so in God's word. To those of you who watch my television program and read my magazine regularly, you know that one of my pet peeves is when church leaders tell tells us how to live as it pertains to the word of God, but leave out how to actually carry it out. It really bothers me because for one, it does not benefit us as much as it could and it may leave us feeling frustrated due to our desire to please God wholeheartedly. I know it does to me. Many years ago as a new Christian, this knowledge or lack of it led me to stumble and fall in certain areas of my life. So that is why I make sure that I try to share with my viewers the what as well as the how in all of my teachings. And I will also do the same here. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. Proverbs 31.10 King James Version. What does it mean to be virtuous? According to the U.S. Death Thesaurus, it means the same as being good, righteous, honorable, and or holy. To be more specific, being virtuous is the opposite of doing such things as using profanity, gossiping, getting drunk, or living any type of questionable lifestyle, especially one that may cause others to stumble or to bring reproach upon the church. Read what the Bible says regarding a virtuous woman today. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train their younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. Titus 2, 3 through 5. I would perhaps be the last person whom I ever would have thought to be able to tell someone how to be virtuous or holy. Yet today, God has blessed me to be able to do so. If you would notice, I said, God has blessed me to be able to do so. No, I didn't become holy on my own. Are you crazy? First, I had to obey the gospel and get baptized, and even that was God's ultimate doing. Can you say grace? Second, I had to allow God to make me holy. I could not even do that on my own. Third, I prayed for God to make me holy and for me to sincerely want to be holy. Oh yes, it was no cakewalk. It never is. Although it is somewhat easier than when I first became a Christian. And it did not happen overnight. Can you say 20 years? Yes, that is about how long it took, give or take a few. As I've mentioned before, I was not raised in church, so I had tons of baggage by the time I was baptized. But through the years, I have learned that there are many benefits to being a virtuous woman. In general, a few of them are that we receive many blessings from God, our children are successful, our prayers are answered, and much faster, and we will get to see God and live eternally in heaven with Him. Also, I need to add that being holy or virtuous does not mean we will never stumble in our walk with God or make poor decisions. Stumbling in sin and walking in sin is not the same in my belief. 
If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Galatians 5.25, King James Version. This means that our aim or goal is to be virtuous and that we do not make a conscious decision to sin and to sin on a daily basis. Also that we are sensitive towards sin more and more each day. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. 1 John 3 9 NIV So ladies, yes, our Holy Father in heaven wants us to be holy and virtuous. And according to Titus 2 3 through 5 and 1 Peter 3 3 through 4 and 1 Timothy 2 9. Yet we cannot do it on our own, yet with God all things are possible. Therefore, I encourage you to take the same steps that I did to become holy and virtuous. It is all biblical. I obeyed the gospel. I prayed for the strength and desire to be holy. Diligent study God's word. Obeyed all of Christ's teachings. Prayed some more. Endured hardship and persevered and prayed even more. If I did it, so can you. One day you too will be sinned if you do not already. I am a holy, virtuous, and godly woman. And you'll be encouraging others to do the same. Focus scripture. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-control, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good titus 2 11 through 14 prayer heavenly father holy is thy name lord please give me the courage desire wisdom and strength to be holy and virtuous as was christ so that i can make a positive difference in the world and in the church and be a blessing wherever i go Thank you, Father, for listening to me and for answering this prayer. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Closing. Ladies, lastly, I want to say that there is nothing at all wrong with being or seeking to be holy and virtuous. The world we live in today tries to tell us that it is not only impossible, yet that it, yes, that it is too good, goody, or self-righteous. Yet that is not what the Bible indicates. As we have read, our world is in desperate need of more godly, God-fearing, loving women such as ourselves. We are extraordinary and a huge blessing to the world and the church. So there you have it, ladies. Week 48, Virtuous. And that is one of my favorite articles that I wrote. Not sure when I penned it. Uh, before I added to the book but that's one of my favorite lessons and so yeah ladies even today even today I've been in the church or I've been a Christian for over 30 years I believe I got baptized in 1987 and still even today I have to do those things those bible-based things that I indicated in this reading to keep my faith up and to be virtuous and holy I have to do those things, uh, the studying of the Bible, the praying, uh, praying the right prayers and, and those type of things. I still have to do those things in order to be a virtuous woman today, because if I stop doing those things, it wouldn't be good. You know, uh, as you probably know, being a Christian is a process. It's a lifelong process. You know, we never arrive. We never arrive. But at the same time as the passage that I was reading, uh, 1 John 3, 9, 
You know, we can't go on sinning. We can't make an excuse to keep sinning. I hear some people in the church say that, you know, well, you know, we're going to sin. We sin every day, you know, and uh, things like that. And so we can't make an excuse to sin. Paul said in Romans chapter six, verses one, I believe that, uh, you know, just because we're under God's grace is not a license to sin. And so we cannot use that as an excuse that God is still working on me. As you know, some people do. I've heard people say, oh, God's still working on me. I remember one time I heard a famous comedian and he said that and I think he's supposed to be a member of the Lord's church. I was told that he said that, you know, uh, God is working on me and God is not done with me yet. And right before and right after he said that, he said a lot of curse words, a lot of profanity. And he was using that God ain't done with me yet as an excuse. And I mean, he cursed. I mean, he must use like 20 curse words, if not 100 curse words during his uh, his speech, whatever he was talking about. And so that's not good. That's not good. That makes the church look bad. That makes Christianity look bad. Uh, People in the world talk about us because of of people like that who, uh, you know, just just. Act like we can't be right, like we can't never get right. Like I was saying, some people just, you know, act like it's impossible. They teach that it's impossible for us to never sin. And that's not totally true. Yeah, we will sin. As the passage said, you know, in 1 John, we will sin. But we are to sin less and less. And so we will will sin, but we can't make it an excuse. And God is is not going to accept it as an excuse that we're human beings and that we're not perfect and we can't be and we are called to uh, not sin or to be perfect to the point that we don't sin Uh, you know we are called to be perfect and to not sin and so according to Matthew 5 548 we're called to be perfect but when the Bible talks about us sinning you know we're going to sin we can't help to we can't help but to sin but the question is what type of sin is it talking about because you have different type of sins you have sin of the flesh and then there's other different type of sins where sins we're not aware of for instance like i said i've been in church over 30 years and recently i guess about a week or two ago god gave me insight or wisdom on something that is practiced in the church And I just realized, according, like I said, because God gave me insight that this practice is a sin. It's not Bible. And I just realized this. And I've been in church over 30 years. And it's like, what? And so there are certain things that, you know, we're not aware of. But it still is a sin. Because you have intentional sins and you have unintentional sins. And so, yeah, that type, even even if we sin unintentionally, it is still a sin. And this is why we need the blood of Jesus. But then you have some sins that are intentional or things we know are a sin. We may not deliberately say, okay, I'm going to go and do this sin. But then we still could be committing sins and or certain type of sins, especially sins of the flesh. Ignorantly, we may not plan on doing it, but because of a lack of self-control, the fruit of the spirit, then we may be committing these sins unintentionally or intentionally. Some of these sins I'm talking about are found in the book of Galatians chapter five, where it talks about anger and malice and bitterness and those type of sins, things like that. 
we we want to be careful those are the type those are sins of the flesh and they can be intentional and or they may not be but my point is that yeah we are going to sin but the question is what type of sin and we want to make sure that we walk in the spirit and not in the flesh and that's what galatians 5 is talking about is that we should be careful that we walk in the spirit and not in the flesh because when we walk in the flesh or carnal nature or, or doing things our way our own way then we will we're more apt to sin and we don't want to do that especially if we're christians and godly women and we profess godliness. We don't want to do those. Uh, we don't want to do those type of things. We want to make sure that we stay holy and virtuous. Like the New Testament calls us to be. To be holy. And to be virtuous. And I did read uh, in that passage. Proverbs chapter 31. Where it talks about the virtuous woman. And so I talk about the virtuous woman. It's a good principle. But today as New Testament Christians, we are called to follow the New Testament of Jesus Christ. And what God would have us do have us to do today as Christians and godly women is found in Titus chapter two, as well as other books of the New Testament, including Timothy, Peter and Ephesians on and on and the book of Corinthians, first uh, Corinthians chapter seven. Those are just a few that I'm mentioning right now. And so that's who God that's who God wants us to be like today. The woman in Titus chapter two or uh, the the duties in the New Testament for us Christians today. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be virtuous as far as being holy. But all the requirements of the woman in Proverbs chapter 31, we do not as Christians. We are not obligated to those in principle. Some of them in principle, yes, because she was a good hearted, good natured woman, a noble woman. And that's great. But in physical, she was rich. She had a lot of material goods and she was married. And today as Christians, we don't have to do any of those things. And one reason I bring that up is because one of them is that it talks about a wife. Or it's really it's really about a wife. If you really read that in the proper context, it's talking about a married woman. And today in our world today, Christians don't have to be married. Paul said it's better to marry than to burn. He urges the younger widows to marry. And for a reason. But in general, the Apostle Paul said it's better to remain unmarried because if you marry, it comes with troubles. And it's true, it does. I've been married going on 40 years. And yeah, trust me, there's troubles with being married because you have two people and neither one of them are flawless. And so you're going to have troubles. It's just the way life is. And so that's what he's talking about. And so I know a lot of women want to get married. But unfortunately, in our world today, a lot of women, I'm talking about Christian women, women in the world, but Christian women, a lot of Christian women want to get married. And it's okay because they want to get married for the right reason, most of them. But the sad part is, is that a lot of them are not going to be able to get married because there are no virtuous men. There are very few virtuous, faithful men in the church. I won't say there aren't any, but there are very few. And there's a lot of beautiful women I've seen. A lot of beautiful women in the, in the church. They, ha- they are beautiful inside and out. And they are not married. And, and or they got married and the marriage did not last because the man they married was not 
was not a God-fearing man. He was not faithful to God or to her. And so to say that a woman has to be married to be considered virtuous, that's not good. We put a burden. There's a burden on a lot of younger women today to get married. And they feel, oh, I'm I'm in my 30s, going on 40, or in my 40s, going on 50, and I'm still not married. That's not a requirement to be virtuous or holy or godly or to be pleasing and acceptable in God's sight or even to be favored by the Lord. Yet our society puts that on women that, oh, you don't have a man. What's wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with her, especially if she's a Christian and a godly woman. There's nothing wrong with her, but our society. And so, you know, puts these negative connotations on things. And we just want to be careful that we don't do that to the women in the church. And if you are single and you've never been married, I want you to know that you don't have to be married. No, we're not to uh, shack up or fornicate, but we are not. We don't have to be married. You don't have to be married. And even if you're divorced, you're still virtuous. You still can be virtuous and you're still special and precious to God. I have a saying I put on Facebook. I used to get as a poster I created. I used to get a whole, whole bunch of likes and shares. And it says, single, married, divorced, or widow, we're all priceless to God. And it's true. And so we do well to keep that in mind. But I just wanted to bring that out, you know, with the Proverbs woman. And in our society today, how we put this burden and then on women, single women, then they feel guilty because they're not married or don't have a man. And there's no requirement to be married in the Bible today. The only requirement is that if we do get married, uh, that we are to be a homemaker, according to Titus chapter two. And if we're single, then we are to remain uh, pure. And then as far as our duties, if you're married, we're required to be a homemaker, take care of the home, not to climb the success ladder. Not that there's anything wrong with being successful, but we are to always keep God first and kingdom work first. And if anything gets in the way, then it has to go or it has to be pushed aside because God's work, kingdom work must come first, whether we're married or single. And for single women or divorced widow or divorced women, and or widows we are to take care of the orphans and the widows per James 127 the Bible calls that pure religion and so that's what that's what the single women are called to do is to take care of the orphans in the United States that would be the children there in the foster care system or the children in the church that you know of that may be about to go in a foster care system but we have to help take care of them here in the United States we have children in foster care we don't have we don't in general we don't have orphans little children uh, I would say ages 10 and under roaming the streets in general we don't and so we have to take care of them and we are to take care of the widows and today in America Our widows are not, we have widows, but they are not in need as they are in third world countries. In the United States, our widows in general, I'm speaking in general, the women are usually on welfare, Medicare, Medicaid, and, uh, or they have pension, a pension plan or 401k. 
So they're able to be taken care of. All of the widows I have known or met in the church, Lord's Church, they were either their husbands died, left them some money, or they're on Medicare, Medicaid. They have some kind of way to be taken care of. And so they're not homeless out on the streets. And that's what God does not want of church members to be homeless on the streets. And so we are to take care of each other. And then anyway, I'm just speaking in general. I'm not going totally in detail on this. But anyway, I just want us to be aware of that. That's our duty as Christians and godly women in the church. That's what we are called to do is to take care of the widows and orphans. And in third world countries like in Africa or even the Philippines and other nations, they have tons of orphans, millions and millions of widows in India as well. That are not being taken care of. And some of them are even church members in the church. So we have to make sure that we take care of those people. That's our duty. God called us to do that, to take care of them. And like I said, I'm not going into detail like the financials and all that. I just know we're called to take care of them. So there's duties for us to do, whether we're single or married. God has work for us to do in the kingdom. It's always something for us to do. And we don't need anybody to tell us to go do it. It's written in the Bible. And we don't need one's permission. We could just do it. So, so yeah. So being virtuous and holy. The New Testament as well calls us to be holy. And so that is something that we want to do. And we can do it. We can do it. We can maintain it. And I want to explain one passage for those who may not know. Uh, 1 John 3, 9. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. That's the passage I quote on page 184. And I just want to bring attention to the word seed. When it said the seed remains in them, that is talking about the word of God that we read when we read the Holy Bible. The most unadulterated Bible that I could think of today that I have read is the King James Version. I have read tons of different versions of Bibles, of the Bible. Quite a few versions I have read. And the most unadulterated one is the King James Version, in my belief, my opinion. And so when we read the Holy Bible, the seed stays in us. So we read, especially when we read it each day and on a regular basis, that's the seed. And so with the seed in us, we cannot continue to sin because the word we are purified by the word of God. The New Testament says we are purified when we obey the truth. And so when we read the truth and we obey it, it makes us pure and holy. And so that's the seed that he's talking about in there when he says the seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Isn't that beautiful? And so that's why I just want to bring that to your attention that that's what it's talking about when it says the seed and so that's why it's so important for us to continue to study the word of God consistently on a daily basis and throughout the day, throughout the day, as I mentioned before, I read the Bible in the morning, I read devotionals throughout the day and in the evening. And then I watch spiritual programs throughout the day. And so just throughout the day, my whole life is just the word of God is consistent in my life as a new convert. I did not do this. And it was a huge mistake. I stumbled and struggled unnecessarily because I did not do this. And I know a lot of church people, they don't as well. A lot of church people, they probably read the Bible once a day, if that. 
they probably watch spiritual programming once a day if that much I don't even think a lot of them even do that and then so that by not by not keeping the word of God consistent in our life and overflowing in our life it is causing us to stumble and fall unnecessarily we're not putting the word of God in our life enough as we should and this is why it's harder for us to be virtuous and holy like like Jesus calls us to be and one more thing I want to mention before I go on got a few more minutes I don't keep you too long is uh, the word virtuous in Proverbs 31 it's in the Old Testament I like I said I watch religious programming all the time I love being motivated and encouraged and I love hearing the truth love it love it love it love it I love the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation love it love it love it I read the whole entire Bible so many times I've lost count and I still love all of it I never get bored with any of the books major prophet minor prophet nothing love it all love the Bible however I have noticed that a lot of church people they stay in Old Testament Christianity is a religion of the New Testament of Jesus Christ. We need to be careful that we stay in the New Testament. For some reason, a lot of people are in love with the Old Testament. But the Old Testament is not the covenant that we are under. We are under the covenant or the New Testament of Jesus Christ. And so we have to be careful of following of not following the Old Testament. We want to make sure. I notice a lot, especially TV evangelists and a lot in the Lord's Church too. We, for some reason, we stick with the Old Testament. We read in the Old Testament too much. And that's not good. And, and a lot of this, this prosperity preaching and everything. You know, I know it's a lot of prosperity preachers. They love talking about Joseph and Abraham and King David and how prosperous they were and how we can be like that. And they just, it's overkill. We need to be, they need to be teaching on how to be holy and righteous and and the teachings that's found in the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts all the way to the book of Jude. That's what these preachers need to be speaking on. They are shortchanging Christianity and godly women and God's people or those who are trying to, trying to find the truth and, and be God's people. They are shortchanging them by just sticking in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is very sophisticated. We are in the New Testament of Jesus Christ. I remember in the book of Matthew, in the parable, I don't know the exact uh, chapter, but it's where Jesus and the, not Jesus, I mean the transfiguration with Peter. When Peter saw Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, and God told him, hear ye him, and he was talking about Jesus. He said, hear you him, hear Jesus. This is who we're supposed to be following today. Not just for the, the laws, but in principle. The, the, the God that we serve today is the God of the New Testament. There's a lot of teachings in the Old Testament that we can read about because we need all of the whole Bible. The book of Genesis tells us how the world began and all these things. So there's lots of valuable things we can learn in the Old Testament, but we need to be focused on the New Testament because the God that we serve today is the God of the New Testament. There's the, it's, it's the same God in nature as the Old Testament, but there's a lot of laws and everything under the Old Testament we don't have to follow. 
there's even there's a lot of stuff in there we don't need to follow we need to be focused on the new testament and i don't know why but a lot of people today including the lord's church some members and some teachers and stuff we're, we're too enthralled with the old testament we ain't in the old testament we are supposed to be in the new testament and focus on that especially it pertains to being virtuous and holy and we are to follow the titus the woman in Titus chapter two and other passages in the in the New Testament per Timothy and Peter and the Apostle Paul, not the not necessarily the virtuous woman in Proverbs in general in principle. She was a beautiful woman, had some great character. She was a noble woman and everything. But she also had a lot of material things and we're not required to have any of those things. I did a good lesson on this on my TV show it's called the Titus 2, 3 through 5. Well, you can find it on my YouTube channel if you uh, want to hear more of that. So on my YouTube channel, just type in Terry Temple and it'll come up. You'll see on there. But just in general, we the church, we keep sticking in the Old Testament. And we try to explain things that's going on today based on the Old Testament. That's inaccurate. We're going to come away with inaccurate information. And we need to stop doing that. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so the new way that we're supposed to be living today is supposed to be simple. Simple. Easy and simple, not a burden. The Old Testament is full of burdens. And we don't see it as burdens, but it is. It's burdens. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. It's simple and easier. Compared to the Old Testament, that is what he's trying to say. And so that is what we should be attracted to, not the Old Testament and its ways and its teachings. And so we need to pray about this. We need to really pray about this. And we need to do most of our studying, especially about how to live the godly life from the New Testament. Because we're missing out on a lot when we keep going to the Old Testament for our learning. There are some great examples in the Old Testament. Some beautiful people of God in the Old Testament, especially like Ruth and Esther. But we need to be in the New Testament. It's not as sophisticated, but it's better. Maybe it's not as as exciting, but it's better. And it's God's will for our life. Okay, ladies, so please pray about that. Pray about that. That's what we need. We want an understanding of what's going on in the world today and how we should live. We All of it can be found in the New Testament from the words of Jesus. And uh, and especially the Apostle Paul and the Apostles. So let's pray about that. I encourage you all to please pray about that. And so so there you have it, ladies. Virtuous. So I, I hope this has encouraged you and helped you in some way, shape, or form to be more virtuous and holy uh, a woman of God. Okay, ladies, so if you have any prayer requests or anything, don't hesitate to let me know. TerryTemple7 at gmail.com. Visit my website, terrytemple.org, or text me at 702-785-1884. And I enjoy your emails, your comments, everything. Keep them coming. I enjoy, you guys, the communication with you. It's a huge blessing. I hope and pray I've been a blessing to you. May God, our Holy Father in heaven, continue to bless you so that you may always, always, always be a blessing wherever you go. Chat with you later. Bye-bye.